From the in-town Jewish Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Rabbi Ari Solish, and this is Knowledge on the Deeper Side. In this podcast, we discuss the most inspiring and stimulating Jewish ideas, ideas that challenge the way you think and feel. To sponsor a class or episode, please visit intownjewishacademy.org slash sponsor. And now, on to the episode. In progress. All right. Welcome to a Daily Power Parsha. Hey, Olya. Welcome. Good to have you here. Um, all right. Welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is June 1st. Unbelievable. Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. And uh, we are going to continue studying Parshas Bamidbar, the Torah portion of Bamidbar. And it is going to be a party. All right. Let's. Uh, Let's jump in on that. I'm going to share my screen. And let's do it. Okay, Bamidbar, reading number four for Wednesday. And it's interesting. It's like uh, we're almost chapter by chapter. I think we did chapter one, Numbers chapter one in the first two readings. Yesterday was chapter two, I believe. Today, or maybe I'm getting reading two and three mixed up. And then today is Numbers chapter three for the fourth reading. So we read about the census of the Jewish people, counting the tribes, the 12 tribes, as Joseph is divided into two Menashe and Ephraim, sands the, the Levites, sands the, sands the tribe of Levi. They were not counted amongst the Jewish people. We discussed why. Um, then yesterday we read about the encampment, the configuration of the people, four tri- sorry, three tribes to the east, three to the south, three to the west, three to the north, and how they travel, they traveled in the same type of configuration. Each tribe has a leader, each tribe has a flag, each tribe has a color scheme, very elaborate. Today, we focus uh, in on the Levites, the Levites who were left out of the previous conversations, left out of the counting. They're going to get their own focus right here. All right, Numbers chapter 3, verse number 1. These are the descendants of Aaron and Moses, on the day that the Lord spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai. I guess what the Torah is saying is that as of Sinai, this is who was around. As you'll see, that's relevant because at this point of the conversation, a month after the Mishkan was erected, two of the sons of Aaron had passed away. All right, as the Torah will describe here. These are the names of the sons of Aaron. He had four sons. Nadav, the firstborn. Avihu, Elazar, and Itamar. So again, Nadav, Avihu, Elazar, and Itamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed Kohanim, who he, whom he consecrated to serve as Kohanim. Remember, Aaron himself, Aaron himself was the Kohen Gadol. He was the big Kahuna. He was the, uh, the high priest. Then there were four regular priests. However, as we know, verse number four, Nadav and Avihu died before the Lord when they brought alien fire before the Lord in the Sinai Desert and they had no children. So Nadav and Avihu passed away, as we read in the Torah portion of, what was it? Torah portion of um, Shmini in the book of Leviticus. So they bring a foreign offering, they bring a foreign fire. And of course, the commentaries, as we discussed, the commentaries have, a, have elaborate conversations about exactly what they did. 
Did they bring uh, an, an un unwarranted offering? Did they go into the Holy of Holies? Did they um, serve while intoxicated? Did they answer a question in front of Moses, their teacher, and not allow him to speak first? All these different types of, 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 uh, of theories as to why they lost their life or how they lost their life. Or not really how, but like what was the cause. Either way, they passed away and they had no children, the Torah specifies. So it's not like they had children who then in turn were Kohanim. That was it. Another of view, and that was it. Elazar and Itamar, however, the remaining sons of Aaron, served as Kohanim in the presence of Aaron, their father. So Aaron was left with two sons, not the Elazar and Itamar. Okay, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now that we know a little bit about Aaron's family, God speaks to Moses. By the way, I'm debating whether to mention this later, mention this now. Let me mention it right now. This reading and this chapter begins with this preamble in verse 1. These are the descendants of Aaron and Moses. In Hebrew, it's toldot. Ele toldot Aaron and Moshe. These are the children of Aaron and Moshe. And the Torah proceeds to discuss the children of Aaron. And nowhere here does it discuss the children of Moshe. That will raise an immediate question that Rashi addresses and certainly holds a, a lesson for us in life. But just know that there's an incongruency. There's a little bit of a, of a gap conceptually here where the Torah talks about the descendants of Aaron and Moses and then only mentions Aaron's sons and what happened with them and totally leaves out Moshe's family. We'll talk about that. We'll get into that in Rashi, but just I wanted to make sure to highlight that. Let's continue verse number five. Actually, you know what? I'm still going back and forth in my head. Let's do Rashi on, on these verses. We'll get this answer. These are the descendants of Moses and Aaron. Rashi says, yet only the sons of Aaron are mentioned. And that could be with a question mark or an exclamation mark. What's going on? You promised you're going to tell me about the families of Moses and Aaron. You only told me about the family of Aaron. What happened? However, Rashi says, they, the sons of Aaron, are considered descendants of Moses. They're considered his children. Why? Because he taught them Torah. This teaches us that whoever teaches Torah to the son of his fellow man, Scripture regards it as if he had begotten him. Talmud Sanhedrin 19b. Essentially, what we learn from this is an incredible idea. That if you teach some, in this case, it says someone's child, if you teach Torah, then you are likened to the parent of that person. Why? Because think about it. And this is how the commentators help explain this statement from the Talmud and Rashi. Think about it. What is the role of parents vis-a-vis -vis children? So the role of parents is that they gave life to the child. Well, there's physical life and there's spiritual life. There's physical existence and vitality, which certainly comes from the biological parents, but then there's spiritual value, spiritual vitality, spiritual life. The values that a person carries, the ideas in their head, their, their, their motivation, their convictions. Where does that come from? A, the parents, obviously, because parents are also educators, but also B, educators. In the case of Jewish spirituality, it's Torah teachers. So therefore, and Rashi in the Talmud says something incredible. The sons of Aaron are considered to be the sons of Moshe. 
It's like Moses gave birth to Aaron's sons. Not physically, obviously. But because he taught them Torah, and I guess, who didn't Moses teach Torah to? Moses taught Torah to everybody. He's still teaching today. We're studying Torah, the Torah that Moses helped pen. So we're still learning from Moses right now. And yet, what we're seeing here is that the sons of Aaron are considered to be the descendants of Moses because he taught them. And this is a beautiful lesson about the impact and the influence that we can have on others. And it's not that we do it in order to get a title. It's like, why am I teaching or why am I influencing or why am I mentoring in order that they look at me as... It's not why, but it's a beautiful tribute that that, that Rashi brings. Whenever we influence someone positively... It makes a big impact. Just like parents have a critical role and the most critical role in, in, in a child's reality, bring them you know, into, into existence. The same thing is true when we, when we educate, when we guide, mentor, advise, etc. It's a, it's, a it's a big deal. And it's a, it's a tremendous, tremendous blessing. Okay, back inside. That was the opening Rashi that I wanted to make sure to get in. Um, on the day that the Lord spoke to Moses, they became his descendants. Again, doubling down on this idea. They became Moses' descendants, the sons of Aaron, because he taught them what he had learned from the Almighty. That was when, why was it at Sinai that we're talking about the descendants? Because that's when they, the sons of Aaron, became Moses' children, so to speak, spiritual children, because from Sinai onward, that's when he began teaching Torah. They died, Nadav and Aviyu died um, I'm sorry. Elazar and Itamar served as Kohanim in the presence of Aaron, their father. What does that mean? During his lifetime. During his lifetime, they already had, had roles as the Kohanim. Okay, now we're up to verse number five, and we are ready to roll. Verse five. Pasuk okay. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring forth. It's actually bring close, hakrave, like karban, bring close. Karban, like a sacrifice, really means to bring close, to draw close. Bring close, draw near the tribe of Levi. Remember, we forgot about Levi? We didn't forget, but they were left out. Bring forth, call close, call, call them in, and present them before Aaron the Kohen, that they may serve him. So the Levites... They had, they had certainly had a very important roles. They assembled the Mishkan, disassembled the Mishkan, carried it through the, through the wilderness, all that stuff. But they also served. They served the priests in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Mishkan. They shall keep his charge and the charge of the entire community before the tent of meeting. They are helping, assisting, etc. to perform the service of the Mishkan. They, and they shall take charge of all the vessels of the tent of meeting um, and the charge of the children of Israel to perform the service of the Mishkan. So they were in charge of helping the priestly service. They, were, they assisted in whatever, whichever way they were allowed to and, and had to. And they also, in general, oversaw the vessels, right, the menorah, the showbread table, the ark, all the stuff. Right? And... Um, and the charge of the people to perform the service of the Mishkan. You shall give over the Levites to Aaron and his sons. Remember, there were two from the, from the, fam, from the Levite family. There were two divisions. Kohanim and Levim. Priests and Levites. 
within the, within the Levite tribe, there was priests and Levites. So the Levites are given over to Aaron and his sons, i.e., they're guided by the Kohanim who really are running the show. They shall be wholly given over to him for the children of Israel, for the sake of the community. You shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall keep their kahuna. They should keep it intact, keep the integrity of the job of being a Kohen. Any outsider, i.e. a non-Kohen, who approaches shall be put to death, as we've seen many times. Anyone who's not a Kohen who enters into the spaces that only a Kohen can enter, the person is liable for death at the hands of heaven. Okay, let's do Rashi on these six verses, starting from verse number five. God says to Moses, bring forth the tribe of Levi that they may serve him. What does that mean? What form does this service take, asks Rashi. They shall keep his charge, verse 7. Since guarding the sanctuary so that no stranger non-Kohen should come near is his obligation. As it says, you, your sons, and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. And these Levites assisted him. This was the service. I'll explain what he just says. Part of the obligation of the Kohen is to make sure that no non-Kohen approaches. In other words, if you're a Kohen, you can go behind the scenes of the temple, of the Mishka, right? And the temple. Behind the curtain, as it were. But part of that responsibility is to make sure that no one else goes there. If somebody's wandering around, you're like, hey, you don't go there. The Kohanim, or Aaron and his sons, they also had the Levim, the Levites, yeah? They had the Levites serve in that capacity to make sure that no one goes where they shouldn't. Essentially, Mishkan ushers. It's like, oh, let me check your ticket. Do you belong here? Mm, you're, you're an Israelite? All right, you, don't, you go over there, wait over there. Somebody will meet you over there. You can't, you can't come past these lines. So who did that? It was the, the Levites, the Levim. Remember, the Kohanim, the priests, it was their responsibility, but they delegated to the Levim, and that's how Rashi explains this verse that says, that they may serve him. How would they serve Aaron? What does that mean? They serve the Levites serving Aaron? What does that mean? It means that one of Aaron's responsibilities is to make sure that no one went, no non-Kohen went where they should where they shouldn't go. He delegated to the Levites. Let's continue. They shall keep his charge. Rashi says, any office to which a person is appointed and the duty he is bound to carry out is Mishmeres charge in scripture and in Mishnaic idiom. Okay, anything that you are responsible for and have to watch over is called a mishmeres, which is translated here as charge. It also means like shomer, means something that you guard, something that you safe keep, something that is your responsibility that you hold. Okay, let's continue in Rashi. The rest is just uh, verses that show the grammar. They shall take charge of all the vessels um, and the charge of the children of Israel. What does that mean? All of them, says Rashi, were bound to take care of the needs of the sanctuary. But the Levites, let me explain. All of them, the children of Israel, all the people, should really take care of the needs of the temple. In other words, really, what really should happen is that every single member of the community should care for the, for the Mishkan, for the sanctuary. But... The Levites were in their stead. 
The Levites were the representative of who of the people. So the Levites served the priests by guarding the space and being in charge of that. And they also represented the people insofar as really everybody should participate in the upkeep and the transportation. But the Levites were the representatives. Thus, in reward, they, the Levites, take tithes from them, the Israelites. So the, the Levites basically, in exchange for doing the work for everybody, or working on behalf of everybody, so they get the tithes, tithes from everyone. Miser. As it says, for it is your reward in exchange for your service. Listen, if they're working on behalf of the people, the, the least the people can do is give back to the Levites who are serving on their behalf. Hence the uh, Levitic tithe called Miser, 10% of the crops, etc., are given to the Levites as a reward for their service. Let's continue. Um, the Levites should be given to Aaron and the sons, wholly given over to him. What does that mean for assistance? And what does it mean from the children of Israel? It means from among the children of Israel, that is to say they have been singled out for this purpose from the rest of the congregation by the decree of the omnipresent. And he gave them to him, to Aaron. As it says, and I've given the Levites, they are given. Um, you shall appoint Aaron. It's appointment, not counting. They shall observe their kahuna. What does that mean, they shall observe their kahuna? This refers to receiving the blood in a basin, dashing the blood, burning the fats, and other rites entrusted to the priest. There were certain things that only the priest could do. By the way, I should mention this. It doesn't come up that often, but I'll mention it. Um, the halacha says, Jewish law says, that shechita kashera bazar. That the shechita, the shechting, the slaughtering of the sacrificial animal is permitted to be done by a non-Kohen. It's theoretically possible. I think typically the Kohen would do it, but theoretically, shechita kashera bazar, the, the shechting, the slaughter of the animal was permitted by even a non-Kohen. But the collecting of the blood the sprinkling of the blood, the burning of the fats, and the dashing of the blood around the altar, all of those things, whatever happened next, had to be done by a Kohen. Hence, this is exactly what Rashi is indicating here when it says that, the, that Aaron and his sons shall keep their kahuna or observe. It's interesting, they changed the translation, keep, observe. A uh, little inconsistency there in the Chabad Darug translation. Anyway, either keep or observe their kahuna. So again, Rashi says what... What are their roles as a Kohen that only they could do? Receiving the blood in a basin, sprinkling the blood, burning the fats, and other such rituals that only they were permitted to do. All right, verse number 11. Let's roll forward. Here we go. Pasuk Yudalf. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, As for me, as for me, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel in place of, of all firstborns. God, and this is stated clearly here, God says, all the Levites, they're instead of the firstborn. Among the children of Israel who have opened the womb, sorry, they, let me just read that again. I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel in place of all the firstborns among the children of Israel who have opened the womb. In other words, what is a firstborn? It's not to the father, it's to the mother. It's a mother's first child that quote-unquote opened the womb. 
By the way, if the if if the uh, if she miscarried previously, if she had a pregnancy and miscarried, right? Uh, so this son, a son that born that's born afterwards, would not technically be considered the one that opened the womb. Just I'm saying halachically, there's a there's a specificity here that the Torah says. How do you define firstborn as the one that opened the womb? So there's a bit of a of a of a you know of a detail here that's important. But anyway, the point is that the firstborns lost it. They, they initially were slated for the service, for greatness, to, to operate and to serve in the Mishkan, in the, in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle, but they lost it. Why did they lose it? Because they participated in the sin of the golden calf. So instead, I'm taking the Levites. Right? God says, I've taken the Levites in place of the firstborn. And the Levites shall be mine. The Levites are mine. The firstborn were supposed to be, but... That ship has sailed. Now I get the Levites. Why should God have gotten the firstborn to begin with? So verse 13 gives the rationale. God says, for, the, for all the firstborns are mine. Real, the firstborns are really mine. Since the day I smote all the firstborns in the land of Egypt, I sanctified for myself all the firstborns of Israel, both man and beast. They shall become mine. I am the Lord. So really the firstborn owe themselves, their very lives, their existence to God because God spared the firstborn Jewish people at the time of the 10th plague, when all the Egyptian firstborn were, were destroyed by the plague, lost their lives in the plague, the Jewish firstborn were, were, were spared, and thus the firstborn Jewish people, firstborn Jews, um, are associated with God. But God is saying, I swapped, it, I swapped them out for the Levites. All right, let's take a look at Rashi. Let's go right in here. Um, as for me, I have taken, as for me, what right do I have to them? And God answers because of the te- because of the tenth plague. From other children of Israel, that the Israelites should have to hire them for service. I gained my right to them through the Israelite firstborn, taking them, the Levites, in their place. For originally the service was performed by the firstborns. Or was supposed to be, at least. But when they sinned by worshiping the golden calf, they became disqualified. The Levites, who had not committed idolatry, because the whole tribe of Levi did not participate in the golden calf, nor the women, etc. So the Levites, who had not committed idolatry, were chosen in their stead, as the Midrash famously says. Okay, that's today's reading. I do want to also do reading number five, because hmm, it's a little bit long. Okay, we'll see how far we can get. Because tomorrow we, I have my JLI class the, in person, so we're not going to be meeting for DPP, and I don't want to leave too much for Friday. Okay, so we read a little bit about the Levites, the, the priests, the Levites, the counting, or we didn't really talk about counting yet, but that's what we're going to get into right now. We talk about the appointment, the jobs, the roles. What does a Kohen do? What does a Levite do? The Levite helps the Kohen, make sure that no one enters where they shouldn't, etc. Numbers chapter 3, verse 14, the narrative continues, the Lord spoke to Moses in the Sinai Desert, saying, Count the children of Levi. We counted everyone else, now let's get the Levites. Let's get their number. Count the children of Levi according to their father's house, according to their families. Remember, the lineage, sorry, Jewish identity goes by the mother, but the tribal lineage, including Kohen or or Levi, or, or Kohen or Levi status goes by the father, goes by the father's house and count them according to their father's house and according to their families. Count all males. So, so in the general populace, 
the age range to be counted was 20 to 60. But here it's count all males from the age of one month and upward. Essentially, those are the Levites that are viably going to ultimately, at some point, at least enter into service in this Hanksher in the Mishkan. Why from one month? Why not from birth? Well, we know that in Jewish law, the one-month stage, 30 days, is when halachically the child is now viable. What do I, what I mean by viable? I mean, maybe this was more of an issue back in the day. I mean, hopefully things have, uh, have advanced, but back in the day, you know, until 30 days, there might have been a little bit of a question whether the child was going to survive. But once the child crosses that 30-day threshold, then, you know, barring an unforeseen tragedy, the child is, uh, is deemed to be viable, healthy, ready to go, etc. So you start counting from one month. But they're not yet Levites in service. They're not yet of serviceable age. They're only one month old. So why are you counting them? So I already said, you're counting the Levites that will or have or will at some point participate in the service, but only from one month because that is viability. By the way, that's also why when we do the ritual of Pidyan Haben, redeeming the firstborn, we go to the Kohen, the Kohen says, oh, hey, here's your firstborn son. The, guy, the father says, yes, this is my firstborn son. Take the money, I'll keep the child. You only do that at 30 days because, again, the viability. Now you might ask, what about the bris circumcision? Why do you do that before 30 days? What about viability? What about? The answer is, the Torah says eight days. So we're not going to argue with the Torah. The Torah says eight days is when the bris happens. Um, but halachically, again, from a health perspective, viability only kicks in at 30 days. Um, of course, if the child is not healthy enough to undergo a bris, you do not do the bris. You're not allowed to. It's forbidden in Jewish law to do a bris, a circumcision, on a, on a child who is jaundiced or otherwise not well, not well enough to, to undergo it. It would be considered murder. I mean, and by the way, before 30 days, is still considered to be a life. It's just a certain threshold of viability is passed at that 30-day marker. I hope that makes sense. Okay, let's jump back in. The Levites are, are to be counted from one month up. So that's what, that's what happened. So Moses counted them according to God's word, just as he was commanded. Now we're going to get into the families of the Levite, of the tribe of Levi and the, the census and all the details. These were the names of Levi's sons. The original Levi, like the Levite tribe named after Levi. So he had three sons initially, originally, and even permanently, but he had three sons. Who were they? Gershon, Kahat, and Merari. Gershon, Kahat, Merari. Let's get into it. Family tree. The names of the sons of Gershon, according to their families, were Livni and Shimi. Livni and Shimi. And the sons of Kahat, according to their families, were Amram. Amram, by the way, was the father of Moses and Aaron. Um, so the sons of Kahat were Amram. Yitzhar, Hebron, and Uziel. The sons of Merari, the third son of, of Levi, so the grandsons of Levi from Merari, according to their families, were Machli and Mushi. These are the families of Levi according to their father's houses. I always, whenever I read these names, it's not like the names of like Esau's family or Ishmael's family. These are Jewish families, Le- 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 Levites. Um, it'd be cool to kind of bring back, bring back some of these names, Mushi. Achli. Yitzhar, Uziel. I know Uziel's actually. It's interesting how some names made it and some names 
Yeah, sorry, go jump in. No, I think Mushi is, I, I, I have a friend from Poland and I think that's like an endearing term she uses for her kids. I can't, I, maybe just so Oh, uh, yeah, that might be also, right, that might be more of a, like a nickname, but it's like as far as like a name. I know, it's just interesting how, like which names ended up sticking. Because they all, they're all, all these names are coming from the same source. They're all biblical names from Levite, Levite families. There are, I'm, I know Amram's. Hebron is a city. I know Uziel's. Um, I don't know any Livni's. Shimi? I don't know. Shimon is usually sometimes called Shimi, but that's more of a nickname. Anyway, interesting which, which name stuck. I guess it's just, you know, whoever got enough traction with names, named, people named after them that went through the generations. Okay, back inside. Um, we did Gershon, Kahat, and Merari. Okay, good. Now, for Gershon, the Livnite family and the Shemite family, those were his two sons. These are the Gershonite families. There's some. We're going to get into this. That's the preamble for the census. This verse right here. Now that we have the family tree, let's talk about how many they, they were. So Levi's, it would be easier if we had a visual. Levi's first son, Gershon, had two sons, Livni and Shimi. What was the number of that? Their sum was made according to the number of males from the age of one month and upward, as we said. The tally amounted to... Drum roll, 7,500. Okay, so they were the Gershon, the Gershon family, the Gershon extended family, <coughs> they were 7,500. 7, now the Gershonite family shall camp behind the Mishkan to the west. Just so you know. In the configuration of the Mishkan, they were in the west. The prince of the father's house of the Gershonites is Eliasaf, the son of Lael. Right, remember all the other tribes had a, had a tribal leader? So we, we now have the number, uh, the census results, we have the location of the encampment, and we even have the name of the leader of that family within the Levites. What was their job? The charge, we're getting full details, it's great. It's like a deep dive, like a Wikipedia page. Like, how many were there? Where did they hang out? Who was the leader? And what did they do? Who, what, where, when? The charge of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meeting included, what were they in charge of? The mishkan, the tent, its cover, and the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting, the hangings of the courtyard, the screen at the entrance of the courtyard, which is around the mishkan and the altar, its ropes, as well as all the work involved. I feel like I want to go through that a little bit slower. So the mishkan would mean the building, the actual building. The tent would mean the frame, the cover. Well, tent, it's cover. I'm not sure the difference. Okay, the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting, there was like a, a, a sheet or whatever, like some sort of entranceway separation. The hangings of the courtyard, which means the screen that served as the perimeter around the Michigan courtyard. The screen at the entrance of the courtyard, there was a, another screen that marked the entrance to that courtyard to get in which is around the mishkan and the, and, it's, and the altar, it's ropes. Remember, there were, there, there were ropes that held that outer wall, wall fencing, to, uh, with stakes into the ground. I remember seeing, we, we, I once put up a picture of it, kind of like tent ropes and stakes. 
So, yeah, all of that, as well as all the work involved, all of that was Gershon. Gershon dealt with all that stuff. Okay, so now we know how many they were, where they lived, who their leader was, and what they did for the Mishkan. Let's go to the next Levite family, which is Kahat. For Kahat, the Amramite, oh, so Kahat had sons also. So Levi had a son, Kahat, who in turn had sons. The, the Amramite family, that was Moses' family, the Itzarite family, the Hebronite family, and the Uzilite family. These are the families of Korach. All right, let's get to the census results. The number of all males from the age of one month and upward amounted to 8,600. 8,600. The keepers of the charge of the holy. The families of the sons of Kahat shall camp to the south side of the Mishkan. So now we know how many they were. The um, Kahat side of the family, 8,600. We know where they hung out, the south of the Mishkan. And who was their leader? The prince of the father's house of the Kahatite families is Elitzaphan, the son of Uziel. Elitzaphan, the son of Uziel. Just so you know, this is what caused Korach's consternation. Remember Korach? He rebelled against Moses. Let me explain what's going on here. Who was the one prince of the Kahat family? This guy Elitzaphan, who was the son of Uziel, who was the son of Kahat. So Kahat's grandson, Elitzaphan, was chosen by Moses. But if you look at Kahat's family tree, I'm just going to scroll back a drop. Bear with me. Look at Kahat's family. Kahat had Amram, Moses and Aaron, Yitzhar, Hebron, and Uziel. Uziel was the youngest son of Kahat. So So Levi was the patriarch of this tribe, right? Levi. His son, he had three sons. One of them was Kahat. Kahat had four sons. Uziel was the youngest, and Uziel's son, Elitzaphan, was the one that became the, was appointed as prince of the, of the whole Kahat group. That's part of what got Korach's goat, as it were. Because Korach was the son of Yitzhar. Korach ben Yitzhar. <laughs> so Korach, remember Korach, he started rebelling against his cousin Moses and Aaron. Korach's like, one second, you guys, Moses and Aaron, you're from Amram's family. I'm from Yitzhar, but you didn't pick me as the prince of, the, of this family. You went all the way down to Uziel's sons. You went to the youngest of my uncles, to my cousin from the youngest of the brothers. What's up with that? You, you skipped over me. That's part of what got his ego and, and, and why he was upset. Just a little family dynamics. Look, when you read it slowly and you go through the family tree, you realize, okay, this, these are the dy- dynamics at play. Let's continue. Um, so again, we were in the conversation about Kahat. We know that they were 8,600. We know that they camped to the south. We knew that U- Elitzaphan, the son of Uziel, um, was the prince. And what did they do? What was their job? That's the fourth piece of information that we need to know. What was their job? Their charge included the vessels, the ark, the table, the menorah, the altars, two altars, inner golden altar for incense, outer copper altar for animals, and the holy utensils with which they would minister, and the screen, and all the work involved. It's figure out which screen that is, because the tapestries were by um, Gershon, but there was obviously some sort of screen here that went to the Kahat family. So essentially, when the Mishkan was assembled, disassembled, transported, all the Levites were involved, but every family 
There were three families, Gershon, Kat, Merari, three general families. Each one had their focus and their responsibility. Okay, let's continue. Now, the Torah interjects with another piece of inf- information. The prince over all the princes of the Levites. Remember, each family of the Levite family has its own prince, its own representative. But who's the prince of all princes? Who's the, the big macher? That shall be Elazar, the son of Aaron the Kohen. The appointment of all the keepers of the charge of the holy. He was, now he wasn't the high priest. He was the son of the high priest. But he was like the prince over the princes. It's interesting that the Torah interjects this verse right here in the middle of the three families. We, we covered two of the families, Kahat and, uh, sorry, um, Gershon and Kahat. We're about to get into Merari. And say, oh, by the way, Elazar, the son of Aaron, he was the, the big macher. Okay. Anyway, moving along to the third family from Merari. Merari had two children, Machli and Mushi. So the Machli family and the Mushi family, these are the families of Merari. Let's get to their number. So now we, we have the so now the Merari side of the family had how many? Their tally according to the number of males from the age of one month and up was six thousand two hundred sixty two hundred. Now who was their leader? The prince of the father's house of the Merari families is Zuriel, the son of Avichayo. They shall camp on the north side of the Mishkan. So now we know how many they were sixty two hundred. We know who the leader was Zuriel, or Zuriel. It's actually Zuriel in the Hebrew. And we know where they camped. They camped to the north. What was their job? That's the fourth piece of info. The appointment of the charge of the sons of Merari included, they got the, um, the heavy stuff, <laughs> not the curtains. Well, I guess the vessels carrying a, a menorah was probably very heavy, but they, these guys got the, uh, the beams, the planks of the Mishkan, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, all its utensils and all the work involved. Also, the pillars of the surrounding courtyard. Remember the, the screen that went around the Mishkan courtyard? It was strung or hung between posts that stood on the ground. So those pillars, their sockets, their stakes, and their ropes. I think we're doing ropes twice. All right, we'd have to do a deeper dive into this. But either way, this is what the Torah says was the charge of Merari. This was their job. Um, camping in front of the Mishkan. All right, so now we've covered all three Levite families. And we've also covered three directions of encampment around the Mishkan. Remember the Mishkan, as I pull out my phone always for this, the Mishkan was a rectangle situated this way in portrait, portrait orientation. So we talked about the west. Wait, which is your west? Here? I don't know. I've lost my bearings totally. Anyway, west... Which, which side? This side is west for you? Left, left hand. Or, or, or I guess it'll be your right hand. Your right hand. This there is, yeah, go. okay, good. So west, right? West and, uh, like, west, south, and north we read about. So who was, again, just to, just to recap. So Gershon, right? Gershon was in the west. Gershonites are in the west, okay? Kahat is in the south. We have west and south covered. Okay, what about Merari? Merari was in the Merari families. They were in the north. Okay, so west, south, and north. Well, who's in the east? It's, it's all empty. So who lives, who lives there? So the Torah answers right here. 
camping in front of the Mishkan, right, in front of the tent of meeting to the east, who lived there? There you go. Moses, Aaron, and his sons, the keepers of the charge of the sanctuary as a trust for the children of Israel. They were the ones. Moses, Aaron, and his sons, they had the whole eastern flank. Moses, Aaron, and their families. Any outsider who approaches shall be put to death. They were watching. All of them were watching to make sure no one got too close to the Mishkan. That's why they surrounded the Mishkan with these encampments, the Levites, and uh, three sides of Moses and Aaron and their, son, and their sons on the eastern side. All right, let's add them all together. The sum of all, the sum of the male Levites, according to their families, from the age of one month and upward, counted by Moses and Aaron, according to the word of the Lord, if you count them in total, the total number of Levites, add together. Let's, let's do this. Maybe we should do this. Um, the Gershonites that numbered 7,500, plus the Kahatites that numbered 8,600, plus the plus the Merarites that numbered 6,200. I don't know if the math is accurate. Anyway, I think that's right, is 22,000. 22,000 Levites. Okay, I actually want to open up a calculator and do this, make sure that I'm not missing anything here. So we have um, Gershon is... Hold on, Gershon is 7,500 plus Kahat is 8,600 plus, I feel like we're going to be off a little bit, but we we'll have to figure out how that's possible, plus the Merarites, 6,200. Okay, we are off 22,300. And here the Torah says they were 22,000. The real number is 22,300. What's going on? Let's jump into Rashi very quickly. Gotta close it, I gotta close it out, um, but... All right. Um... Yeah, one month, Rashi says, why, why count from one month? Because no longer in the category of possible premature birth. In other words, now you're viable. At one month, the child is viable. We know for sure. Um, Moses asked God, how can I enter their tents to know the number of their sucklings? In other words, how do I know how many babies they have? If you're counting adults, that's one thing. Counting babies, how do I know? Now, the obvious answer is go into the tent. What do you mean? Go into, but modesty. You don't just go into a tent with, 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 with little children. So God says, you do you, you do yours, and I will do mine. Moses went and stood at the entrance of the tent, and the divine presence preceded him. A heavenly voice then emanated from the tent, saying, there are this many babies in this tent. That's what it says according to God's word. God actually proclaimed, five kids. <laughs> All right, tally it up. Tally-ho. Anyway. Um, oh, the Mishkan. Oh, this is helpful. Rashi says, when... The Gershonites carried the Mishkan. It wasn't the planks, because that was done by Merari. That means the bottom curtains. The tents means the curtains made of goat hair. The cover means the ramskins and tachashkins. Perfect. The, entry, the screen for the entrance is the curtain. It's ropes. Aha! Look at this. You see? Rashi. Rashi always has our back. When we said ropes before, it was the ropes of the Mishkan and the tent, but not the courtyard ropes. There were ropes also for the Mishkan and the, and the, the tent. The tent meaning the... Um, the, um, the covering, 
but not the courtyard itself. That was another family. Um, oh, I'm going to skip this. Maybe we'll do this on Friday. I'm going to skip this Rashi about neighbors, bad neighbors. The screen is the dividing screen at the entrance of the Holy of Holies, also known as the screening dividing curtain. He, um, Elazar was the prince over all the princes. He was appointed over all of them. In what regard was he prince over them? What does that mean? The appointment of all the keepers of the church of the Holy, they were all appointed by him. He was the one that appointed um, others. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's conclude. Moses, Aaron, and his sons. Rashi says, near them. Oh, we're going to skip this. This is also neighbors. We're going to do that on Friday. Um, there, Rashi says, there are dots in the, in the Chumash, in the Torah, there are dots over the word Va'aron to show that he was not included in the sum of the Levites. Aaron himself was not counted. Now that's, that's a bomb that's just dropped here. By the way, FYI, Aaron is not being counted. What's going on? Okay, now 22,000, Rashi does the math. But when you count them individually, you'll find another 300. Because you have 7,500 7, plus 8,600 plus 6,200. That means 22,300. Uh, 22, Why were they not included with the rest to redeem the firstborn, thus exempting the, tw- the 273 firstborn who were in excess number of the Levites? Our sages answered that those 300 Levites were firstborns. And it was enough that they exempted themselves from redemption. In other words, of the 22,000 Levites, 300 of them were firstborn. And thus, 300 of them would have been firstborn, would have been serving God anyway. They weren't in exchange of the firstborn because they were firstborn. So the 22,000 Levites were 22,000 clean Levites. When I say clean, non-firstborn who would replace firstborn amongst the people. But those 300 were anyway firstborn, which means they would have served God anyway. So when God moved it from firstborn to Levites, it wasn't a new person. It was them both ways. They were firstborn and Levites, thus they're not included in the 22,000. 22,000 are non-firstborn Levites who took the place of 22,000 firstborn. I hope that makes sense. All right, what's the moral of the story? Let's revive some old biblical names because that's cool, number one. And number two... Um, hold on, what was the, the other lesson that I took from the, from the first reading of today? Reading four, that was the idea that, oh, keepers of the charge. Keepers of the charge. What does that mean? That means that sometimes you have to be careful not to go places that we shouldn't. In the times of the Mishkan, it meant literally going there, but it means otherwise. In life, it's good to have boundaries. It's good to have boundaries, red lines, spaces that we know that past here is not, not for me to go. Like Moses counting the kids. He doesn't go into the tent. It's not a pro- Moses is not going into everyone's kitchen and bedrooms. It's not, it's not a thing that he does. He stands outside. In life, we have to know boundaries. We have to have respect, respect boundaries. And um, when we respect boundaries, the blessings will follow. All right, thanks for joining me today. Tonight, very special class, Torah study, 7.30 p.m. Join me on Zoom. And otherwise, don't forget about Saturday night, Shavuot learning, and uh, wishing everybody a great day. Tomorrow, there's no DPP. We're back on Friday. All right. See you guys. Thank you, everybody. Thank pleasure, you. pleasure. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find us online at intownjewishacademy.org and on YouTube at InTown Jewish Academy. New episodes of the podcast come out a few times a week. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a rating or review. It means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. 
Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.